Let's do well, it. Welcome to Luke's Talk Wine. My name is Luke and I work for Big Wine Company. And my name is Luke and I work for a small wine company. And today we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about glasses uh, and the type of glasses you use. Maybe another topic. Maybe even another topic because uh, we've got a question about Pinot, but we've also got other questions, uh, people, people asking at uh, Luke's Talk Wine at gmail.com. Uh, fun times, lots going on, particularly in the lead up to uh, Jolly St. Nick coming down the chimney. But, Luke Campbell, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? Well, thank you very, very, very much, and hello to the listening audience. Luke Morris, I am fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up with red wine stains. I'm oh. fed up with people telling me how to get red wine out. Salt. Got a... Salt, mate. What? You Salt is something I've never heard. Yeah, People no, say you use white wine, and eh, doesn't work. People say you use sard <laughs> wonder soap, and eh, doesn't work. People say mix hydrogen peroxide with one part dishwashing liquid. That doesn't work either. That burns vinegar? a hole in your couch. Have you used vinegar? Hyd- <laughs> vinegar? Yeah, haven't tried vinegar. vinegar or salt. How did I miss out on these? Have you, you, you tried saying, salt? I haven't tried salt, no. How I thought it? you were being sarcastic. No, salt's. Oh, I'm not. Salt's, salt's tip top. Salt. I mean, salt's the go-to. Eh? Yeah, the cleaning red wine stains is salt's the go-to. Yeah, I'm writing I that down. I don't think you need uh, Himalayan pink rock salt. Uh, <laughs> uh, as as the person telling me the, uh, the the story once was saying, someone spilled some red wine. They said, "Go get some salt from the kitchen." Then someone came back with a grater and just a lump of salt. It's like, no, 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 just table salt because salt uh, draws moisture. That's uh, what salt does. It, it's ah. just the way it operates in, in the world. Oh, well, aren't you just ahead it, of the game? Removing, well, you on Saturday night. <laughs> removing stain, don't know about that, but in terms of limiting and absorbing and therefore um, making the stain hard to see, it will do that if you apply quick Ooh. enough. What did, what did you do on Saturday night? What, what did you throw at, what was it, Burgundy? What were you... <laughs> What are you dribbling? No, no, I was dribbling Cabernet and I just happened to be dribbling it all over my couch. I was wrestling um, some family members at the time and it didn't exactly go my way really. So, And I thought, uh-oh, there's an issue. And I thought, a wine stain, this is going to be no troubles to get out. Everyone just says, pour white wine on it. And That's a terrible I, idea. Who's... That is a terrible idea. I had to go and open a bottle of Semillon and use it to clean it, and that was terrible because the Semillon <laughs> was delicious and I was pouring it over my couch. <laughs> not not a good idea. No. I mean, I know I've heard of two wrongs making a right, but I'm surely not two wines. Like <laughs> Make, making it white. Yeah. If you pour a red wine and a white wine inside a glass, it suddenly becomes translucent. Like, no. Well, if you've got a cure for this problem, email us at lukestalkwine at gmail.com because I will be enamored by, as I am by Luke's suggestion of salt, which I'm going to try next time, uh, on my wine and, stain. And vinegar is also um, an aggressive cleaner. Vinegar, and that would be because of the acid, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. There's always learning experiences, mate. Well, you never stop learning when it comes to wine. No, that's true. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit Luke Morris. Ha! 
lucasfilmfestival.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. What kind of what, what kind of glass were you drinking out of that caused that allowed spillage, my friend? Oh, well, it's funny. This, this it is was, a segue, isn't it? Straight into what kind of glassware do you use for wine? What were you using? I was using a renal venom magnum glass, which is quite Ooh. a big glass. It is. Um, it's an all-rounder, really. It's uh, a lot of wine shows use the renal venom magnum. Uh, and it's best, probably best reds, best for reds, you know, Cabernet, your Shirazes of the world. It's a fairly big, robust uh, glass you can put in the dishwasher. Now that's the one. This is this. I've suddenly realised the problem of this discussion because we're talking about something that's quite visual. But that's the one. Uh, back in the day, you would refer to it as an ISO. It's quite um, bulbous at the base of the stem and then narrows up. Still quite a large shape, though, but not, you know. You call no, no. it a magnum, but it won't take an entire bottle of wine. It's just no, a no. large You're glass. referring to the ISO, the International Standards Organization glass, which is also referred to as an XL5. Yep. Uh, and they hold, in that bowl, they hold 50 CL, and they're yep. specifically for tasting. I'm talking about a Riedel Magnum glass, which is um, by the Austrian winemakers. And it's a, called a magnum glass because it. Um, actually, I've got no idea why it's called a magnum glass. Because you're right, it doesn't hold a magnum, but it's definitely a different shape to the ISO oh, okay. uh, glasses. Yeah, yeah. It's not just a. Mm. Du- it's just not double or triple the size of one of those. No, it's a lot bigger than that. Do you know? I, I thought about asking this question partly because I'm going out to a Greek restaurant for, with some BYO on Friday night with. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, work and I remember you a little bit and and not just yourself but others were were, uh, wary of BYO only in terms of glassware going to because last time we went to a Greek restaurant or maybe it was an Italian restaurant together as a a group we had just tumblers basically tumbler (laughs) glassware and and to, to match with our burgundy and whatnot that we decided to bring along on the on the night, and me, I was perfectly happy with that. But you and others, so <laughs> you were in that sense in the right, in the in the voting sphere, poo pooed, not happy. <laughs> well, not happy at all. I think if you, I think if you're taking, uh, if you've taken the time to carefully choose the right wines to match with your food. You should, you know, want to drink them out of a decent vessel. Um, if I'm just sitting at home, you know, or, or I'm at a cafe or a Greek restaurant and I'm just, you know, inhaling booze at an alarming rate, responsibly, of course, but and not really caring about it, no worries. I'd be happy with a, you know, a, a tumbler or, or whatever that I can wrap, literally wrap my hands around. No problems at all. I want to no. I don't want to spill. I'm drinking so does fast. This, I don't want to spill. Does, does so, this poop, does this uh, give a little bit of a backhander to the quality of Greek wine that it's only served in tumblers? And but you're <laughs> thinking that if we're going to bring something good, it'd be better no, not use what the Greeks use. No, not at all. We love our Greek brethren here on Luke's Talk Wine and Luke's Talk Riesling. Um, <laughs> 
They make some wonderful wines. Uh, Zeno Mavro is a great variety. Assertico is a great white variety. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying um, some of that on Friday. Yep. Zeno Mavro, if you want to freak a few people out, it's kind of, um, it's not a relative of Cabernet Franc, but it looks like it. And they make it Cab Max style like Beaujolais. It's really fruit forward. Got this plush, plummy, plummy character. Get into oh. it. Anyway, we digress. Off, off to the glass, the wine glass chat. Yeah. I think you, if you've taken the time to choose the right wine for the cuisine, you need a decent stem to drink it from. And yes, you do need a stem because you and I, we are assessing wines for our job. We're assessing flavours for consumers we want to sell to. I think you need to pay homage to the wines that are produced for us by putting them in a decent glass. Do you know this is where I disagree with you? I don't want to have to assess it so much. I just want to enjoy it. And I can enjoy it in a styrofoam cup uh, eating a burger a la uh, Peter Gam- Gamolfini at, at the end of Sideways with his uh, Cheval Blanc. He was, doing, was he doing it out of a straw? I don't think he was. He was just drinking no. it out of the cup. But- styrofoam caps, yeah. Would you be saying he was doing a disservice? I would be saying he wouldn't be getting the best out of the wine. And so, and so back to your point, you're happy to take it because you don't assess it. So do you sit down at said Greek tavern or wherever you're drinking wine and you don't think about the wine at all? I do think about the wine. And you need tr- a glass. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about the wine, you need a decent glass to put it in, Luke Morris. But I just want to enjoy the wine. I don't want to have to think too, I don't want to think heavily about it. I don't want to be trying to pick out every single nuance to it if I'm it'd just having like, a good fun. It'd be like going to a 3D movie without 3D glasses. Like you don't get to see the whole benefit of the movie. I'm, t- I'm trying to remember going to a 3D movie. How long ago was Avatar on? <laughs> well, that's probably true. It's um, yeah, I don't know. Do 3D movies still go on? I, I don't know, but that's... People of our generation will understand the reference. I get you it, do. though, because what you're saying is the wine's going to be more blurry out of a tumbler than it will be. It'll have purity out of a uh, stem. Yeah. I'm not advising you to get a glass for your Chardonnay, a glass for your Semillon, and a glass for your Cabernet Franc because they, there are all individual varietal glassware's made. I'm not advising you to do that. I'm just advising you to get one decent stem that you could that you enjoy drinking from. I can't remember if I've ever bothered to do the test. So I'm going to ask you about the test. Have you had, on Luke's talk, Riesling, a Riesling out of the proper Riesling glass and a side-by-side uh, side with a um, a cup? I actually, not, not a cup per se, but I've done it with the correct Riesling glass and an XL5 and a blind glass. Yes, I have. And the, the, the difference is remarkable. How so? Drill down. Yeah, drill down. So the stem that's completely black when you so you can't see the colour, but it's the right shape and you nose it. The the Riesling, you really the acid becomes way more intense and way more vibrant, both on the nose and the palate. I don't know why it's a visual thing or a non visual thing, moreover. Yeah. But then you then you pour that glass into the actual Riesling flute. And a Riesling flute is um, kind of bulbous but long, not too dissimilar to the old champagne flutes. Like, yes. 
um, but it has a, a bowl at the bottom. A tulip shape is what I'm looking for. And it captures the, the perfect balance of high acidity, sugar and fruit in these white wines. And it makes the evolution of flavor just absolutely amazing. For an organoleptical, organoleptical assessment, it is just brilliant. It's a, it's a market difference. I've done it with Shiraz. I've done it with Cabernet as well. Riesling's probably one of the most striking differences, though. Cabernet glass, if you want a multi-purpose glass, that's the mm. is that's the one that's uh, widely accepted as the best all-purpose glass, isn't it? If you if yep, you had to absolutely. choose so one, the, the, cab, the Cabernet glass, which is also great for like um, you know uh, Chianti's, Shiraz, these sort of things, uh, the shape. Um, the shape are all kind of similar, I guess, and that that's because the tannin profile on them are all very similar of those grape varieties. I remember, I'm going to be honest with you, I got distracted just moments ago because the cricket's Ooh. on in the background and I had to go close the door to make sure I was paying attention. When, Ooh, you, yeah. were listen, when you were talking about Riesling and the difference between the Riesling glasses, hmm. I remembered that it's to do, the, the why these glasses actually work is to do with, the tipping, isn't it? The the uh, part of it's the the way the glass shape allows the wine or any liquid to pour differently into the mouth, and also funnels aromatics differently, therefore accentuating unique characters about that grape varietal, and therefore Correct. you have different shapes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You, I uh, couldn't have. I couldn't articulate it better myself. You did beautifully there. No, I still think I'm happy to have a tumbler with a. Um, Sure oh, come on. Um, you, you should, when you go out to Friday night to said Greek restaurant, take a glass and do it. Just do it. Just do, it. Do, you, do you know what I want to take on Friday mm. night is a bottle of sparkling Shiraz. We've talked yes. about our love of sparkling Shirazes. I just realized that in order to bring take one, I have to buy one oh. because I, I've, uh, I could bring something that people have already tasted, but I want to bring something different. And they're actually quite scarce it's not as easy to find sparking shows as, as you it's, would hope it's funny, you bring, it's funny you bring it up actually this month this the, this being the month of December and the month of Jolly Satan Inc coming down the, the chimney with any dozen purchase bought at vinified.com.au we're actually giving away hand grenades of the Bleasdale um non-vintage sparkling Shiraz and it's been a real winner for us get they out are, they do hand grenades of Hand grenades of sparkling Shiraz. So they are literally 185 mil piccolos and they are rushing out the doors. Where do um, I get me one of those? <laughs> I'll flick you one in the post. They are awesome. Oh, you need it by Friday, though. Yeah. You need it by Friday, don't you? Oh, no, you're out of luck because Australia Post is overjoyed with uh, the Christmas spirit at the moment. So you're out of luck there, Luke Morris. Sorry about that. This is the most Australian <laughs> thing I've heard for a long time. Hand grenades of sparkling hey, sparkling Shiraz. Shiraz. Oh my From the God. Potts family, Bleasdale. Nobody does it better down there in um, Linghorn Creek. Famous producer of sparkling yeah. Shiraz. But no, apart from that, what do you got? You got Sepulch. You've got Wild Duck Creek. Do a very their rare sparkling. Yeah, I wanted um, to find me some Wild Duck Creek. That was my goal. I've, I've, I've yeah. sent a sent a very kind. Uh, text message to Liam. He hasn't replied yet, but he's probably busy. Mm, yeah. I only sent it to him a couple of hours ago. He, he wouldn't be having his phone <laughs> on at all times. Uh, Sepults are a great example of sparkling Shiraz. Um, 
Gee, Andrew Garrett from South Australia does a sparkling Shiraz. Um, yeah, yeah scarcity. Uh... Yeah, you have to you have to drill down there a little bit, or you could just go the classic Gal uh, Brusco from Italy, something chilled from the fridge. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, I know you. I know how you're coming around to your love of Italian, Italian wines. Ah, <laughs> do you know? I sent you a message during the week about um, tasting a whole plethora. I, I sold you three boilers. I actually tasted five on the day. Oh, started the morning off 10:30 a.m. Line up of Barolos from 2013s through to 17. Oh, and that's tough, listeners. If you didn't realise that is uh, that's hard going. Oh, it was hard going. Very tannic, lots of herbal characters and vegetative. I was not having a good time because I don't like Barolo. And then... Hang on, we'll, we'll back the truck up. Beep, beep, beep. You don't like Barolo? I d- no, because this is how I've always been presented Barolo. Somebody comes in and says to you, this is Barolo, isn't Barolo great? And other people will say... They, they, you know, they rabbit on because they've all heard how good Boilo is and then they just nod and agree and everybody tastes Boilo believing, you know, aren't we all having a good time? This is good. And I'm st- sitting there just going, <laughs> this is hard on the palate, so dry. It's not like fun on the nose. It's, it's interesting and complex, but it's just a slog. I'm not interested. And oh, then, mate, come on, just back up, back up. Lunchtime back up. came along, Campbell, Ooh, yes. and somebody pulled out um, some pizzas and some <laughs> uh, cheeses, and I thought, well, let me just do what the Italians would do, which is have some buolo with their meal. Mm. It was a whole new world, mate. I was singing the songs of Aladdin, just (laughs) flying around on a carpet thinking, this has actually got some legs in it. This isn't bad. Well, well, well. He's coming around to the dark side finally on Luke's Talk (laughs) Wine. We've got got Luke Morris drinking Barolo. And enjoying it. And enjoying it. Obviously, the history of Barolo goes back to the 13th century listeners, as you would know, unlike Luke Morris, who's only just got on board the train. And the train, is here to, the train is here to stay. Like they've got over the traditionalists and the modernists fighting about the use of oak. They've worked out their ageing process. The winemaking is just down pat now. The, oh, the, the Barolo Wars are over and now it's all about the quality that's coming out of uh, that particular region. But I'm glad you're on board the train. The train has left the station by the sounds of it. Well, uh, yeah, well, obviously, uh, it's one of the most invested wines in the world, according to you, and it's been around for eons. And I'm just... <laughs> Not according to me, according to the rest of the wine world other than <sighs> you. It might be might be heavy in acid and tannins and alcohols, but it's absolutely positively delicious, and it's drastically different from any other style on planet Earth, and it's rich and sweet and fruity and just delicious. Get into it. By itself, I couldn't stand the stuff. Once you put some food alongside of it, it actually had some things to complement. It's a, well, that, it's a, it's a complimentary for... wine, Boilo, for me, I think. <laughs> I could say the same about Bross and Shiraz. Like, you know, if you have a bottle of Bross and Shiraz on its own, it's hard and, you know, a bit prickly, but serve it up with a steak and I'm anybody's. Like... This is why we live in different worlds, Campbell. On a, <laughs> if you can't drink a Boston Shiraz on its own, you're, you're drinking the wrong part of the Borsa. 
<laughs> oh, here we go. You're winding me up now. I'm not. I'm not biting at that cherry. <laughs> You've never been to Stonewall. Go, go, I have. Go potter I have around. Stonewall. Have, have, have a look. There's a, there's a few people with saladors that will be able to change your mind on that. Mm. Um, Listeners, if you can change your mind, please don't hesitate to send in uh, your opinion at lukestalkwine at gmail.com and uh, we might open it up. Speaking of opinions, I, I, te- I tempted you with uh, pre-recording banter about a customer of mine who asked me a question about uh, decanting. Because he said oh. you, he, his opening salvo to me was uh, about this age, an aged wine we had. He said, how long do I have to uh, decant it for to open it up? And I said, well, you, you don't. It's an aged wine. That's not why you decant. And as I explained decanting to him, he I mentioned, yeah, I have a friend who decants white wine just to explain things. <laughs> to which he replied... Are you still friends with them? <laughs> Campbell, that assertion of uh, why would you be friends with someone who decants white wine is directed at you. Defend well. yourself. <laughs> well, 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 well. Obviously, this person hasn't tasted a decanted white wine and is living <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a stuck surface area. It's like living in a bubble. Uh, and if you're living in a bubble, you notice, you know yourself, you're not touching, tasting or getting the thrills out of anything. So a little bit, listeners, a little bit of decanting of your current vintage white wines goes a long way because what happens is you bleed off any excess alcohol, you narrow down some of the acids, you release a lot of the enzymes and bada bing, bada boom, your wine is about 25% better. Your it's white wine, that is. Amazing, that, isn't it? That we just don't think about doing that. And no. It, it came as such a shock to um, the customer that you, that, white wine was something you'd still decant and you know go back i think what was it episode three or four or something like that yep. where we talked about decanting episode four yep it's, it's well worth having a listen i think it was very educational but it was i, yeah. I, I think fun, fundamentally right and we we did say this back in ep four i'm sure it was fundamentally decanting serves two purposes you you want to separate wine from any sediment that's formed and you also want to aerate the wine in the hope that Aromas and flavors become more vibrant on serving, and for your, your um, customer there, uh, uh, his response or, or her response, whoever the, may, the gender may be, is a little bit narrow-minded. And I think when you approach wine, particularly anything you want to learn about, you've got to have that open mind. Um, I've, I tempted at this. I, I mentioned at the start of the show we might talk about Pinot, but I think it'd be doing a huge disservice to try and talk about the highs and lows of making Pinot at this late point in the episode. So we can save that for maybe next week. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. But just, I mean, yeah, Pinot, but I think Pinot is a whole episode. But yeah. just going back a step, and yeah. you got me thinking, you know, back on that glassware, I think the key to it and, and learning, we're all learning here, I can you know, include ourselves in that, I think the key, extremely important to wine appreciation is how glassware, glassware has a part to play. And it does, sure, it influences the aroma and the taste. So quality is key. But you've just got to have that right stem, the right glass that's right for you. Like you and I might be drinking the same wine, but we might prefer different glasses. I, I think, you know, 
obviously you need a clear glass. You don't necessarily need hand-blown crystal. You, you do need a stem. Um, you, you need a proper serving vessel, you know, without fingerprints all over the glass and it doesn't need to be hot out of the dishwasher. You just need a proper vessel to enhance your enjoyment is what I'm getting at, right? So I like an all-for-one glass, all-for-one, one-for-all. Um, you know, some sommeliers literally have a, a glass for every great variety. I'm not one of those and I'm not advocating for that either. Um, but, yeah, I have some white wine glasses and a red wine glass at home. But truth be told, I actually drink most of my wines out of a single glass. And generally, it's the Gabrielle glass. It's called a universal glass. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're, they're Austro-Hungarian. They were developed by sommeliers for sommeliers, but they're available commercially. A lot of restaurants in Sydney and Melbourne actually use them now, um, and, and they're great. They are a perfect all-rounder. In fact, I even drink my whiskey out of them, and Barolo for that matter. Wow. Mm. In the same glass at the same time? Like no, cleaning, I tend to wait. Cleaning tend, uh, tend... stains out of a couch? Just pour everything onto it. No, I tend to finish the Barolo before putting the whiskey in. Fair enough. That's probably the way God intended it. What are you drinking this week, Campbell? Over the weekend, Luke, I actually went down the Cabernet Road. Oh! Revisiting our old friend Cabernet. It was delightful, actually. What it was a straight Cabernet, Cabernet these days. Cabernet is doing, it's still that big, rich, cedary you know, leathery fruitcake of a wine, but it's just got some searingly good tannin. And I think we do it really well here in Australia. You don't it's have to go abroad. It's not full of green capsicum anymore. It doesn't have uh, all those astringent, grassy, asparagus styles. No, it doesn't have all of that. It has these kind of little seductive kind of coffee and chocolate, chocolate mocha thing going on these days. So, you know, the alcohol's still high. It's still up there. But uh, no, that weedy, greeny, herbaceous herbs have gone the way of the dodo, thankfully. Mm. Um, people are letting it ripen a little bit longer. The Coonawarra still does it best. McLaren Bale has a has a tipple. Um, this particular wine of mine actually was from Langhorn Creek. What were you drinking? What is, do you, are you at liberty to name the producer? Uh, I don't because I spilled it all over the couch, so I don't want to say what wine I spilt. Uh, but it was a delicious wine all the same. Oh, hang on. Okay. So what, <laughs> where was it Where was it from? Kurnawara? Uh, no. no. Oh, Tonic is, is it a John Riddick? Is it uh, an Odyssey? No. No, no, no. It, was, uh, it was Langhorn Creek wine it was. It was um, – so, yeah, it was uh, – Langhorn Creek. Well, if you've got pots yeah. – uh, Grenades to give away. I was going to say maybe it was a Bleasdale. Well, Bleasdale would be throwing a little bit of Malbec in occasionally. Oh, they do absolutely. No, it wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't. We don't have to go down the track, do we, Luke? We don't, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you what I was drinking. Yeah, I don't have to. But it's fun for me to try and guess it. Yeah, uh, it was actually a Bremerton wine. So, and I haven't had a Bremerton wine oh, for a long time. It gets yes. Made by. Um, Oh, what's the, the their sisters? I think um, yes, lovely, lovely ladies. Um, Rebecca and Lucy Wilson actually made the wine. So yeah, it was yeah, it was just that big chocolate cedary number. I loved it actually. But yeah, like I said, I spilled a good glass of it all down my couch, mm. which is now got a stain. Which is, no, it was an old couch, which has now got a stain on it from the three parts hydrogen, one part uh, uh, dishwashing liquid that I was trying to get the stain out with. But uh, au contraire, I should have used salt. 
who gave who gave you that idea? By the way, was that a, was that a Google number or did that someone was... <laughs> actually give it to you? That was Dr. Google, yes. Yeah. So thank you very much, Dr. Google. I should have just rang you. You would have gone use you would have gone hi Luke and I would have gone hi Luke and you would have gone use salt Luke and I would have gone bye Luke. Uh, depending on what time of night I might have been a bit more cranky than that. But <laughs> if, um, I'm gonna try and find myself a bottle of sparking shirts for the weekend. I think yep. all the suggestions we've made here are good. And I hope you listeners you find yourself a decent wine glass to drink from on the weekend. I think all the suggestions I've made here are good too. Do you want a tip? Here's one of my big tips. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Salvation Army, any secondhand store, go yep. there for wine glasses. I know that you that's like not the cool thing to do, but mm-hmm. I, I, was, I have picked up so many good wine glasses from those places because, let's be fair, people just see glassware, $2, $1 a glass, you know, they just try and get rid of them. I've often found nice wine glasses in those places. It doesn't set you back a ton. And also, it's fancy. Fancy. Well, you, I'll give you a tip. It's, we spoke about decanting. You yeah. want to know the, the best decanter on planet Earth is those old conical flasks. And you do the same thing. They often show up in, um, you know, your, your vinnies or because um, people don't know what they are. Yeah, well, they're kind of a carafe, but they've often got, uh, you know, milliliters on the side yeah. or whatever. But they're a, a conical flask. Uh, they've got a flat bottom, so they don't roll around. They don't roll off the table. Yep. It's got a conical body and a cylindrical neck. They often hold uh, between 700 and 1,100 mils. So if you've got a magnum at home, they're perfect. Yep. You can almost get your wrist in the top to, to clean it out. Uh, they are absolutely they, – they bounce because they're made out of like that scientific glass – they just they're absolutely you can often pick them up for under a dollar yes. um at at you know your savers or your vinny shops keep an eye out listeners they're the best decanter in the world i'm you confident i found one for i found a i found one of those for a dollar at a at a, a salvo's the day after i went to a friend's house and said if we rack this in the decanter it would be better and they said i don't have one and i said <gasps> have you got a vase or anything and so we put it into a jug but the next day, a dollar for a piece of glassware. Perfect. Make your life better. You're winning. You're winning right there. I'm such a good friend. All right. You're on. <laughs> Let's mosey on out of here and uh, catch you next week for what might be uh, what, a second last show of this series. Yes, absolutely. Second last show of the series. I'm looking forward to it, Luke. Hey, I've been Luke Campbell from Vinified. You can find me on the gram at vinified underscore wine underscore services and he's been luke morris in the words of tony barber keep smiling and bye for now bye vinified are the wine sellers specialists we're australia's only personal sommelier service our sommeliers work with you to build you a seller our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers all based on your tastes we can come to you source your wines present tastings Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au